It's Wednesday, November 18th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, the one and only Ron Gross. Good to see you, sir. <laughs> you too. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, we've got more retail earnings to get to, but we're going to start with a vaccine update. Pfizer and BioNTech uh, said the final data analysis on their COVID-19 vaccine found to be 95% effective. So, one more bit of good news yeah. on that front. Um, they're planning to submit it to the FDA for final approval uh, within days. Uh, the submission will be within days. Where, yeah. you know, I think we're all uh, hoping and expecting that final approval comes um, maybe sometime later in December. Um, and you know, we're we're maybe we're jaded now as investors after uh, ten days of this. Uh, we're not seeing the wild swings that we saw a week ago Monday right. when the initial data came out, but. Um, uh, we, we are seeing some movement in the cruise line stocks, although it's just not <laughs> it's just not necessarily what we saw a week ago Monday. In particular, Carnival Cruise Lines appears to be having a busy day. They're canceling all of their cruises through the end of at least through the end of January, and yeah. plus um, they have a secondary offering coming. Exactly. There's a lot to unpack there, but I agree. We're kind of a little bit jaded. We're all vaccine experts now, at least when it comes to the stock market. And so, I don't think the the, the huge price swings uh, will happen. But this is exciting news. I mean... We gotta, we gotta, we gotta get back to some kind of normal. And and every time Pfizer or Moderna or J and J says something, um, it, it gets exciting. And in this particular case, ninety five percent matching the Moderna um, news, um, great. Um, Pfizer says the vaccine is highly effective against the virus twenty eight days after the first dose. I'll remind everyone: um, both the Moderna and Pfizer require two doses, three to four weeks apart, depending on which uh, vaccine we're talking about. Um, its effectiveness was apparent across all ages, races, ethnicities. Older folks um, were protected. All really exciting stuff. Um, as you said, they're going to submit an application for emergency youth author authorization to um, the Food and Drug Administration within days. I've read some um, Rumors, let's call it, not official news out of the FDA, but that their their committee will probably meet early in December, maybe around December tenth ish, um, to take up um, these applications. Um, so that's exciting. And uh, and Pfizer says they expect to produce up to fifty million doses this year, and up to one point three billion doses in twenty twenty one. So so good news is coming. I'll remind folks that the Pfizer vaccine has to be held at ninety four degrees. Uh, minus 94 degrees Fahrenheit, whereas the Moderna um, needs to be cold, but certainly not under those extreme um, conditions. So, is that give Moderna a leg up because it's going to be much easier to distribute? And um, I would I would think yes, but as I said earlier. We're vaccine experts, but we're actually not really. So we we will see and we'll watch it play out. But it's exciting news. And you would expect, as you said, it to be exciting news for for the carnival uh, folks, for for the cruise lines, for the airlines, and I think it is. Um, you know, on any given day, the stocks will do what they're going to do, and Carnival is mostly trading today uh, not on vaccine news, but on the fact that 
in order to keep up with CDC requirements, as you said, they're going to they're going to cancel all of their cruises leaving from U.S. ports through January 31st, others from uh, certain particular ports through February 28th and even March 26th. So, again, you know, bad news. These are extremely capital intensive businesses, extremely uh, high expense businesses that have varying degrees of healthy balance sheets or unhealthy balance sheets, I should say. And you know, the, the longer uh, they have to wait to get back to business, the dicier it gets. We are seeing, as you mentioned, secondary offerings. And in, in Carnival's case, they're kind of doing a recapitalization. They're 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 selling equity to certain holders and the, uh, uh, certain holders of their debt. Then they're paying down that debt, and the holders will be left with equity. So Carnival will actually not be receiving any capital from that offering. So it won't do anything to to increase the cash on on their balance sheet, it will pay down debt um, and and replace it with equity. Um, But like Norwegian, for example, also today um, in the news with an offering, that will result in an infusion of of capital, of cash um, into their balance sheet. Which these companies need, as I said, to, to as a bridge to, to get to get them to sometime in 2021, where perhaps things get more back to normal. Let's assume for the moment that you own shares of both Carnival and Norwegian. They're both doing these secondary offerings. They're doing it in different ways. If you own shares of both, are you looking at one more favorably than the other? Well, I would be really focused on balance sheets, and so. I don't know off the top of my head. Um, I know that, for example, um, Carnival has $26 billion of debt. Um, they're doing this recap here for take down $500 million to a billion. But still, it's an enormous amount of debt. I actually don't know off the top of my head um, what Norwegian's debt looks like. Um, Let's I, just uh, assume it's there. Let's just assume <laughs> it's that Norwegian it's a, likes it's eleven billion. I was able to look it up real quick. So I would say, you know, in general, um, Carnival uh, is probably in a more precarious position. Um, they need um, to get back to business probably quicker. It's it's a little bit short sighted for me to say without really doing the analysis. Norwegian probably can wait it out a little while longer. Two billion dollars of cash on Norwegian's balance sheet versus eleven billion dollars in debt. Um, but I, I actually would not be a shareholder of these. While um, they could work out, and it could be a wonderful entry point, you know, anytime during uh, this year um, to kind of buy these companies when they were beaten up and left for dead, for lack of a better word. Um, it's just very, very risky, and and with balance sheets like they have, this this could, you know, turn out quite poor. So you have to pick the right company in the right industry with the right balance sheet. A lot of factors, a lot of things could go wrong. Uh, Let's move on to a company where a lot of things seem to be going right, (laughs) and that is Target. Uh, Shares of Target are up 5%, hitting a new all-time high today. Their third quarter was just a blowout. Uh, Digital sales up 155%. Overall, same-store sales up 20%. I mean, uh, pick a number. Where do you want to start? What, What leaped out to you from this amazing quarter from Target? Yeah, exceptional. The digital number, 155%, as you said, was was huge. Um, interestingly, same day services, so it's the order pickup, the drive up, the shipped, um, grew 217%. Amazing. Now, one thing I really found interesting was more than 95% of Target's third quarter sales were fulfilled by its stores. So that's just a very interesting thing to think about, you know, stores versus distribution centers um, and and the various supply chains and and logistics that go into fulfilling orders. Um, 
Brian Cornell really doing a great job moving towards um, that kind of model that allows people either to get delivery or pick up. Um, another interesting um, thing that management noted was that they believe the company has gained more than $6 billion in market share uh, of late. Um, I'm not exactly sure how they measure it, but that that is interesting to see. Um, I would imagine that's impacting Walmart. I would imagine it's got to impact Amazon to a certain extent. Well, I'm not too worried about Amazon, though, especially with their new online pharmacy business and lots of other things that they're they're executing on. Um, but Target, it's, it's just it's just really it's turned into a great business, and it's been able to really capitalize on on the fact that that um, the pandemic has has call, caused us all to have to think of other ways um, to shop. Um, they even had higher margins. Uh, markdowns were pretty much non-existent in this world we live in. There were, of course, higher COVID expenses, as we're seeing across the board, whether it's higher wages or um, safety measures that they have to put in place. You can't fault them for that. In fact, you can applaud them for that. Um, but when, when, it, when it all shakes down to the bottom line, adjusted earnings per share was up about 105%. Um, really great. Really, really. Uh, when I saw the results this morning, I was thinking back to <laughs> Two days ago, uh, on Monday, when I was like, "Hey, uh, you, you want to come on Market Foolery on Wednesday?" and you were like, "Yeah, yeah, I can, I, I can do that." And I said, "You know, Target and, and Lowe's are reporting that morning, so that you know that's probably going to be something to talk about." And you and I were joking about the fact that we probably could have recorded. <laughs> the, the, but we were like, you know what? You know what? It's probably going to be. It's probably just going to be in another blowout quarter for Target. And we're going to be like, man, Brian Cornell and his team are just crushing it again. For sure, and, and they did, and, and uh, no guidance offered. So you know, I guess not not surprising. We are seeing more and more companies um, come back with guidance. Interesting that they felt um, that the the future is still a little too muddy, but they did reinstate their share repurchase program, so they're feeling a little bit more comfortable about that, um, about perhaps putting money to work, um, buying back some of their stock, which is really only trading at about twenty two times earnings. Not too bad for a company clearly putting up these numbers. These numbers won't, you know, this won't last and, you know, into kind of 2021, 2022. But um, the company's done a great job to just build an infrastructure and a process. Whereas even when things get back to more normal, the company should, I think, continue to do well. I'm glad you mentioned the guidance because that was one thing I was looking for this morning to see what, if anything, Cornell said about the holidays. And he kind of took the same tack that we saw from Doug McMillan at Walmart uh, when they reported earlier in the week, which was basically, without giving specifics, um, it, it was almost like, he didn't use these words, but it was almost like they both said, I got a gut feeling it's going to be good. Like it was, <laughs> it really wasn't based on data. They're both, both Walmart and Target are, are uh, and they're not the only retailers doing this. They're, they're both um, investing in holiday promotions. Uh, they want to make sure that they are able to have the supply chains flowing so that people can get what they want when they want it. Um, but both sort of going with this gut feeling of, it's been a really tough year, yeah. and we think to the extent that people can celebrate, because certainly a lot of people have lost jobs in 2020, but to the extent that people can celebrate and, and have a, a, a holiday season filled with gifts, um, we want to make sure we can help them do that. Yep, and certainly a, a stimulus program would have helped. Um, it's not too late, but it appears like it's it perhaps is getting too late um, to to hit this season, um, and with what's going on in, in politics right now, 
I doubt that that's forthcoming anytime soon, but that certainly would have bode pretty well um, for the holiday season. You know, on, on another note, it's interesting the world where this no guidance world we, we've kind of been living with. It's going to be interesting to me to see when this is over, do companies just go right back to where they used to be, or did they are they going to say, you know what? The world didn't stop uh, spinning just because we stopped uh, issuing guidance. So maybe we don't have to do it at least as much as we used to. What's interesting is in the absence of guidance, I think what you see is Wall Street analysts have been quite conservative. And then when the numbers actually come in, they beat. And we're seeing they beat, they beat, they beat um, because analysts really have no no reason to be aggressive in, in their their numbers that that would probably be shooting yourself in the foot. Um, so uh, companies love to beat. So uh, this this whole back and forth between the Wall Street community and and companies with guidance uh, is going to be interesting to to watch how that shakes out. Speaking of Wall Street analysts being conservative, let's talk about Lowe's <laughs> because. Uh, like Home Depot, Lowe's put up a rock-solid third-quarter report. Their same-store sales were up 30%. And like we saw with Home Depot, shares selling off a little bit, down 3-4% today, in part because of... I mean, this is a borderline hand-wringing on the part of some <laughs> Wall Street analysts just saying, oh, I, I don't know how much longer this home improvement thing is going to go on. And, and I don't right. own shares of either one of them, but I just yeah. sort of look at that and go, all right, is, 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 is this warranted? Or, to, to your point, are they just being maybe a little bit conservative because there's not a big upside in being anything other than that? Well, this one's interesting because Lowe's did offer guidance. Um, they reinstated guidance for the fourth quarter, so just one quarter. Um, that I guess they saw some visibility, and therefore, since the fourth quarter, it's for the full year as well. And what I don't, I think investors actually didn't like the guidance, which is interesting because um, they're looking for 15 to 20 percent comp sales growth in the fourth quarter. Continued COVID-related expenses. Again, nobody really should be surprised about by that. But flat operating income compared to last year. So I think people were a little disappointed with that. On top of the fact that, despite the fact that the top lines of Lowe's quarterly results were really encouraging. As you said, total sales up 30%, comp sales up 30 There was 15% growth in all merchandising departments, 20% growth across all geographic regions. You know, just I, I could keep spouting the numbers, and I'll, I'll give you one more. Lowe's.com up 106%, um, so really strong. But there was increased expenses. The company is continuing to invest in the business. Obviously, COVID-related expenses, omni-channel investments to support Lowe's, to support support the the supply chain, um, led to a bottom line earnings per share number, which was up about 40% if you exclude a, a charge for the extinguishment of debt. 40% was a little bit light, interestingly, um, I think compared to what um, Wall Street or investors in general were hoping for. So you see the stock trading off a, a, a bit, but you know, I, th I think it's a very strong quarter. Um, as was Home Depot's. Home Depot had this, you know, other thing about their reacquiring HD supply um, for a eight-ish billion, eight point seven billion. I was going to say this little thing where they stroked a check yeah. for eight billion dollars. <laughs> What's funny is they sold it for ten billion, right back in the back in the day, and now they're reacquiring it for eight. They want to. They sold it because they wanted to focus on their retail business and move away from the professional market. Now they're bringing it back into the fold because they want to get back into the contractor professional business. Uh, that's the way these things go. So Home Depot sold off a little bit on that news. Also, the um, Home Depot interestingly said that they were going to 
make um, some of the wage increases that they put in place because um, due to COVID permanent. Um, and, and of course, permanent wage increases uh, theoretically leads to lower earnings and, and the stock adjusts accordingly. Um, I'm perfectly fine with that. I think it's the right thing to do, and, and I love to see that. You know, from a conscious capital, conscious capitalism perspective, companies taking care of their employees and not just worrying about the stock price. So uh, I was happy to see that. This is one of those times. I think if you are a shareholder of either of these companies, look. When a company comes out with earnings, of course you want it to be an amazing report, and you want the stock to pop five percent or more. <laughs> Even with Home Depot and Lowe's down 3% in the wake of their latest reports, you got to feel so good about the way these companies are being run. All of these investments, I mean, put, let's just put aside the HD supply acquisition. Um, although we probably don't have to because it seems like it was a good acquisition, it was a smart one, and, and the stock uh, shares of Home Depot actually uh, were up about 1% the day uh, that news came out. Um, so you take that, you look at, you know, in the case of Lowe's, the investments in the omni-channel approach, which uh, you have to applaud that. That's just smart. Everything both these companies are doing with safety for consumers, safety for their employees, rewarding employees with these wage increases and spot bonuses. I mean, across the board in 2020, you, you got to applaud everything both of these companies are doing. Yep, I, I completely agree. And from a shareholder perspective, we often say you, you don't need to choose one. You can you can you can go with both um, in your portfolio. The the slight disparity of valuation continues. We we always talk about how so Home Depot has a slightly higher dividend, a bit over two percent. Lowe's has about a one point five percent dividend yield, I believe. Um, Home Depot trades at twenty two times. Lowe's trades at nineteen times. So Lowe's is kind of perpetually a bit cheaper than Home Depot. Home Depot is typically thought of as a little bit better company with a little bit of better competitive advantage. Um, but they're they're both doing a, a wonderful job, and I do see growth. For, for quite some time, clearly everyone's working on their houses now, and and there's there's the the COVID angle to this story, and that's why you're seeing these huge numbers. So the, again, as with Target, these huge numbers won't continue, but these have were great companies before the pandemic, and I expect that they'll be great companies after. Uh, last thing before we go, uh, I mentioned this the other day with Home Depot. It, it is the same case with Lowe's that Lowe's has a loyalty reward program for professional contractors, but not for everyday consumers like you and me. And I haven't dug into this enough to to know if this question has been raised in the past. It strikes me as a little odd uh, in this day and age, particularly when we've seen so many retailers across all different kinds of industries have some type of loyalty program for customers, if for no other reason than they can just collect data and occasionally reward customers. I I don't know. Is it, do you find that as strange as I do? It is odd. Even companies that were resistant for various reasons to put forth loyalty programs have started to. Um, and to pretty across the board, uh, pretty good success across the board. Um, I'm sure they've thought about it. I'm sure they've discussed it. I don't know what's holding them back. I wouldn't be surprised at all if we eventually do see one. Um, but it, it's certainly the way m many retailers, or I shouldn't say most, many retailers are moving. Um, and it, it makes perfect sense. And, and it would make perfect sense for Lowe's as well, I, I think. Ron Gross, always good talking to you. Thanks for being here. You too. Thank you, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. 
I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.